Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. Oh, that's me. I'm Bob. I am here. (laughs) Nailing it. Nailing it so far. Uh, Speaking of nailing it, didn't mean for that to sound... Nailed it! Weird as it did. Uh, Apologies for the delay on getting the Finding Dory portion of the episode posted. The issue with that was I didn't realize I was working a seven-day stretch after the day I posted the Dr. Pole episode, and two of those days ended up being 11-hour work days. Whoops. But it's up now. Yay. Well, this one's up now. (laughs) Yeah. Look at all the episodes you guys get. It's more content for everybody. Just gifts from us to you. By the way, congratulations on Browse House Media hitting 2,500 downloads between the two podcasts. Thanks to all the fans. Yeah! Thanks, guys. It's exciting. Those are, like, real numbers. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's safe to assume that we are officially not just being listened to by our friends and a couple of their friends. Which is crazy to think about. So thank you guys for your support. It's awesome. Reach out. I'd like to know 2,000 people. He would. He's a hyper extrovert. I would like to know you. In this setting. (laughs) Yeah. From afar. In spirit. (laughs) I want to know every single one of you in spirit. I'm just kidding. I think it would actually be pretty cool. Uh, So feel free to leave comments and stuff in the group. Um, I'm so shitty at plugging. (laughs) It just does not come naturally (laughs) to me at all. (sighs) Hey, at least you... Know your co-host. I do. I just let him do all the plugging for me. Oh, God, again. Giggity. (laughs) Jesus. Oh, for fuck's sake, let's go to the news. Now streaming on Disney+, Plus, we have assembled the making of Falcon Winter Soldier. We watched that. It was good. I have to admit, though, I really just wanted an hour of outtakes, if I'm being completely honest. And there was very little outtakes, and that made me sad. But still a good behind-the-scenes episode. Season 2 of High School Musical, the musical of the series, has started. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer has been added. Thanks to the Fox merger. Also added was, which this is interesting... Maggie Simpson in The Force Awakens from Its Nap. Yeah, I want to go back and watch that. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. I think she's being babysat by BB-8 or something. I don't know. But that's on there. And continuing with Star Wars, The Bad Batch has dropped. 
And I watched the first episode, and no spoilers, it was really good. Nice. I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> you gotta catch up on the rest of them. I mean, there, it's just there are just so things... much. I, it, it is, but I will tell you, the Clone Wars series is by far one of the best representations of Star Wars I've seen in this era. Like, it, it's so good, it's so rich, and it's just well done, and Dave Filoni can do anything for me. I just, I just, I don't love Star Wars enough to be excited about devoting that many hours to Star Wars. The, that's the like, beauty I'll of it. Do that's it, the beauty but... of it. They're half hour episodes. But there's so many of them. But you just throw one on, boom, it's done. Do you know what my life is at all? I'm trying to fix that so you don't have that long commute and you can catch back up. Okay. Make Star Wars your number one motivator. <laughs> I didn't mean that to be nasty. I was making it. <laughs> um, also dropping on July 30th is a new series called Turning the Tables with Robin Roberts. And it just sounds like she's doing her own version of Red Table Talk, the Jada hmm. Pinkett Smith show. It's her and a few different female celebrities in every episode just having like heart to heart conversations about a serious issues talk. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I looked at the list of people, and it's a pretty impressive list. I can't remember them off the top of my head. It was a lot. So, who knows? Might be cool. Sure. And then the big announcement from this week is the Muppets Haunted Mansion. We don't really know much about it other than it's dropping in the fall. I am excited about this because I like the Muppets, but also... I do not want this to be a part of the so-called Disney Parks Cinematic Universe. Because no. I want a scary Haunted Mansion show to be a part of that. That Yeah, I would want that. And The Muppets is not going to be that. I'm excited no. because the tone of The Muppets is very similar to the tone of the ride. But if they're trying to do a cinematic universe based on their rides, I'm going to need like a real Haunted Mansion show. Yeah, I don't think this is involved with that. Yeah. But fun and a nice surprise. I don't think anybody really saw it coming until they dropped the trailer, so... No, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I love... I don't think there's a Muppets movie out there that I don't enjoy. So, yeah. No, this would be great. What do you got for us in the Marvel Minute? In the Marvel Minute, we have moved Loki's date up by two days. It's no longer June 11th. It's now June 9th, which kind of lines up with New Comics Day. So every Wednesday, they will drop a Loki after that date. If you haven't seen that updated trailer, go see that. There was also a new Marvel What If trailer dropped. And a lot of what it looks like is that as much as it's going to be an anthology of What If stories, it looks like we might end up getting what they're calling the Guardians of the Multiverse. And we might get these alternate versions coming together as a team up. So this could end up being an anthology that leads to a serialization. Oh, interesting. Like a mini MCU within the MCU. Yeah. And so but they're not be... within the canon of the MCU. <laughs> well, within the canon of the MCU in another dimension. Right. So far, we know that everybody's going to be voicing their actual characters. And it will be, a, you know, fortunately, Chadwick Boseman's last appearance. So I'm excited for all of this to, to see where it goes. They have said that we are getting 10 episodes and our thought process, just like everything's been going through with WandaVision right into Falcon Winter Soldier with that week of behind the scenes kind of stuff. 
what it looks like is we're going to get Loki and then another week and probably have a, a behind-the-scenes and assembled episode and then the the thought process is that's when the what if because we have no announcement date on when that's dropping but everybody is thinking that's when it's going to happen interesting i mean it'd be a nice little holdover until black widow comes out right and that's what they're thinking yeah nice i'm excited i can't wait for loki i'm not as excited about what if just because i'm so emotionally attached to the actors and the characters that i know right. but i think it's gonna be fun like, I'm not emotionally invested in it, but I'm excited to take the ride. As I said, you're still getting those voice actors. Right, right, right. But, like, I, the characters as they've developed, I love so much. True. I, I'm excited because there is art for the Guardians of the Multiverse up. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos, and they actually have a team-up picture of who's going to be in it. And it looks really cool. It looks like it's going to be led by Captain Peggy, so. Yeah, as it fucking should be. It's my girl. So there's a lot coming with that, and we have the year of Marvel continuing, and next year doesn't look like it's going to slow down either. So, And if you haven't seen it, it's kind of Marvel-related. There is a Venom 2 Let There Be Carnage trailer out. They finally dropped an official trailer for that. So I think we're going to be getting a lot more news on our post-half-year properties. Cool. Well, if you got no other Marvel news for us, I think My script says drink, so I'm going to drink. (laughs) I was going to say, I think it's time to start talking about Monsters, Inc. And that means starting off with our drink. Our drink this week is called Booberry, like the old cereal. Obviously named after Boo, the small child in Monsters, Inc. And Booberry consists of a large blackberry iced tea. Your choice. You figure out where you want that from. Yeah, ours came from Chili's. (laughs) Because it did. And then, because it's a large, there's a decent amount of alcohol added to it. So don't judge me. (laughs) To that, we added a shot of black cherry vodka, a shot of Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur. And then there was going to be a shot of blackberry liqueur, but I for sure was rushing and grabbed a bottle with berries on it that said black, and it was definitely black raspberry. So Mm. this has two different types of raspberry. Do raspberry, do blackberry, do whatever your heart desires. But it's really good and pretty dangerous because you don't really taste the alcohol. Yeah, it's really tasty. And if you do enjoy this with us as you're listening, uh, enjoy. (laughs) Trivia time. The voice of Boo, her name was Mary Gibbs. And she was so young that standing still in a studio to record was not an option. (laughs) Small, small child. So instead, they just kind of like let her loose, let her run around a room with toys in it, and just followed her around with a microphone and recorded her audio that way, and then just kind of pieced it all together and spliced it into the dialogue that you hear in the movie. Nice. Pixar asked for the rights to use a Godzilla roar for Ted. There's a giant Godzilla-like monster that we don't see the top of, we just see his big legs. But they were denied the rights for the roar, so instead they had him cluck like a chicken. (laughs) Which made me laugh out loud and while we were watching the movie. And I'm glad that that played out that way. <laughs> you know, if you can't get Godzilla, go right for a chicken. Obviously. Everybody laughs at a fucking rubber chicken. Always. There are YouTube videos upon YouTube videos to prove it. Now I have Havana done by the stupid rubber chicken in my head. <laughs> You're all welcome. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Oh my god. It's just chef's kiss. Mwah. This was the fourth movie with John Goodman and Steve Buscemi, but the first that was not directed by the Coen brothers. Uh Uh-huh. 
And the restaurant that Mike takes his girlfriend to is called Harryhausen's. And that is, of course, a nod to Ray Harryhausen, who pioneered stop-motion animation. Aww. Yeah. All right. So the movie starts, and it begins with a super cute, jazzy opening credit sequence. It's got this animation style. I'm pretty sure it's 101 Dalmatians that kind of has the same style. It's like contemporary block structures, but like really rough sketching on top of it. I'm pretty sure it's 101 yeah. Dalmatians, but it's kind of a throwback to some of the old opening credit sequences. Yeah, I don't know what, for some reason, this is the one thing about the movie that really just made me go, that doesn't fit. And I don't know what it is. I'm fine with it. It's, it's pretty. It's fine. It To me, it's just the one element to this that is kind of a weird, out of left field kind of thing can see that it wasn't super cohesive to the rest of the movie but i feel like tonally it worked it's just kind of like fun and silly yeah so the movie opens up and there's a kid sleeping in bed and the first thing i thought was whoo man this was before they really nailed down people cg because <laughs> the yeah. kids are all kind of creepy looking <laughs> but while this kid is sleeping a monster sneaks out of his closet and it goes to scare the kid but then the kid pops up screaming and the screaming kid scares the shit out of the monster. And then lights come on and the kid is revealed to be a robot. And this is all a simulation. It's a robot learning how to scare. I knew it. 2020 was just a simulation breakdown. And this is not real. None of this is real. We're all in a simulation. <sighs> oh, if that were true. So sidebar question, but related. Did you have like a monster that you believed lived in your closet when you were a kid no the one thing that i remember of growing up there was a night i was still living next to my great-grandmother and it was a very bright night out and in my little room i was always tucked in really tight and there was a one single window and it was a real small window we lived in a trailer at that point i swear i saw something which had to have been huge. The trailer was kind of lifted uh, and the window was at least six feet off the ground-ish. And so, like, whatever was out there passing by the window had to have been gigantic. And it looked like one of these kind of shadows from Monsters, Inc. where it had, like, either tentacles or something coming off the top. I never figured out what that was and it scared the living bejesus out of me. That would have scared the bejesus out of me. My dad said I was nuts. <laughs> it was probably your dad. <laughs> I never saw monsters. You know how when you're like a little kid, you could see a shadow and you're like, oh God, it's a monster. Like I never have, I don't have a memory of thinking, oh God, there's a monster in my room. Likewise. I've never had a monster in my room. It was outside. Yeah. I knew of the concept of a monster living in my closet from movies. Right. So that was enough to kind of set my imagination a little crazy. But man, like if there was any doubt that I was going to be a science kid, I, I logicked my way out of being scared of a monster in my closet. And what oh. I did was I put a chair in front of the closet door and not to where it was wedged so the door couldn't open. I didn't have a chair tall enough to do that. But I knew logically in my head that something couldn't be hiding in my closet and come out to get me and then go back in there and hide and put the chair right back where it was. You set a trap. Kind of, yeah. There's just no way for it to be there and moving around without revealing itself. 
And that helped me from being scared of things in my closet. <laughs> nice. Yep. So anyway, this monster has failed his simulation and it's because he left the door open. And a kid could come through the door and kids are incredibly poisonous. Don't want to do that. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> totally poisonous. But kids are incredibly important because their screams are used to power the city that all the monsters live in. And I didn't write down the name and it escapes me at the moment. Monstropolis. Was it? Yeah. Monstropolis. There you go. Beckett is very angrily snoring. <laughs> it's not the podcast without it. So yeah, the way the system works is there are these doors that lock into these ports. And once the doors are locked in, it becomes a portal to an actual kid's door. And they go in, get the kid to scream, it powers up this tank, and then they leave, unhook the door from the port, and the door is no longer active. Which, in my head, I go, okay, cool, but how amazingly awesome would this kind of technology be to use in real life? <laughs> it's my dream. Teleportation is my superpower dream. I just want to be able to be wherever I want in the world at any time. Literally my dream. So now we meet Sully and Mike. Sully is asleep in his apartment, and Mike wakes him up and starts putting him through, like, a scaring boot camp and making him work out and stuff. And there's a bunch of little gags about how he would scare kids in a bunk bed, and he's, like, scaring up high and low and high and low and things like that. Then they walk to work, and this movie, I forget how funny this movie is. It is constant gags from beginning to end, and constantly things happening in the background that are hilarious oh, puns everywhere weird funny things happening there's always something funny happening on screen the signs on the stores are all gags like yeah. it's great yeah so just like on the walk to work it's just like gag 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 and they're all really clever and really fun when they get to work we meet mike's girlfriend celia she's got a medusa serpent hair situation going on we meet Randall, who... Oh, come on. You're not going to say who Celia was? Jennifer Tilly? You're super excited yeah. about her? I love Jennifer Tilly. Okay, Bob loves Jennifer Tilly. She's the voice of Celia. Uh, I guess we should go ahead and say John Goodman is the voice of Sully, who's a big, blue, polka-dotted, hairy monster. And Billy Crystal voices Mike Wazowski, who is a... Mike Wazowski. ...little green ball with limbs and one giant eyeball. And... Randall, who is the antagonist of the movie, is very salamander-looking, and he has the ability to camouflage, and he is voiced by the amazing Steve Buscemi. And next we meet Roz, who is always watching. Always watching, Wazowski. Always watching. Why did I even try the impression knowing that you were going to follow up with it? Like, why <laughs> do I even bother? Roz sounds you, just like you that. You make me look good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm so glad I can build you up that way. <laughs> so the day is starting. We get like a slow motion walk in. What's that movie? Is it the right stuff that has the like slow motion? I know it's definitely in Armageddon. Yeah, I think Armageddon does it as an homage to something else, which might be the right stuff. Yeah, I believe you're probably um, right. They get to scaring and Sully is doing the scaring and Mike is kind of like his pit crew. He changes out the canisters full of the screams and is like his change out the door yeah and his like rah rah you got this buddy kind of dude yep i love that they have a barney and fred kind of relationship yeah they really do i really like their friendship a lot yeah 
it feels very natural. It doesn't feel like a force. Ha-cha-cha, I'm your sidekick guy. Like, they they have a good back and forth. Yeah, it, it feels like they've been together for decades. Yeah. So during this scene, we find out that overall, kids are getting less scared sooner. All these scary movies and... Video games. Video games. They just don't scare like they used to. And when a kid is no longer scared, they call that a dead door. And they put the door through a shredder because a kid who isn't scared is a kid who could possibly come after you and touch you and then you die of poison. Randall is kind of facing off with Sully. Sully has been the number one scarer forever. He's about to hit a record and Randall's right on his tail. (laughs) Randall takes the lead for a hot second, but then... All of a sudden, Sully's number shoots up, and he comes walking out of the door all smug, and he's like, ha ha, it was a slumber party. (laughs) So he's scared like a shit ton of kids all at once, which I thought was pretty funny. It was well done. Then we meet another monster named George, who's orange and furry, and he comes strutting out of his door, feeling all cocky, and turns around, and there is a child's sock stuck to his back. And, oh my god, guys, this is a 2319... We're calling in the CDA, which is the Child Detection Agency. They are there to clear the area and destroy the sock, bomb squad style. Like, literally bolt a dome over it and blow the thing up. And they swat into this entire workroom. Yes, they do. Break the windows and come rappelling in. and It's ridiculous, but, I mean, if a kid is touching you is poisonous, I mean, it might be that bad. Like. Right. So the next scene, Sully's boss, who is a crab-like monster named Mr. Waternoose, he asks Sully to talk to some of the new recruits because the new recruits all suck and are really bad scarers. So he wants Sully to stop by at some point this week and teach them how to scare. Mike has a date with Celia that night, but he forgets to turn his paperwork, so Sully stays behind to file that paperwork for him so that Mike won't be late and miss his reservation. I mean, what a friend. Yeah, he's a good friend. When Sully goes to the office to turn the paperwork, there's a random door still sitting on a dock, and everything else is shut down at this point. Sully opens the door to check it out, but he doesn't see anybody in there. He shuts the door, and to his horror, he hears a thumping sound right behind him. And he turns around, and it's a toddler picking up his tail and dropping it on the ground. And having (laughs) a good old time playing with his tail. He chucks her back through the door... And kind of tumbles and gets caught up in a bunch of her room decorations and goes flying out of the door. He's now covered in this contaminated stuff, runs to the bathroom and tries to like flush it down the toilet, but it clogs the toilet. And when he picks it all back up, trying to find a place to hide it, he turns around and we see that the little girl is clutching onto his back and it's hitched a ride. Yep. He ends up chucking this stuff in an open locker. Sully starts rushing her back to her door to throw her back out. But when he gets there, he sees Randall there at the door. He's trying to get scares off the clock. So Randall sends the door away. And now Sully is stuck with this kid and he chucks her in a duffel bag. Like you do. Like you do. He is now panicking and he runs to the restaurant to get Mike's help. And while he's there, the kid jumps out of the bag and causes a mass panic in the restaurant. So then they cut to a montage of people speaking to a reporter, telling their firsthand account of the attack of the evil child. And one little touch that I really loved, I thought it was so clever. While this one person is talking 
it was breathing fire or whatever ridiculous thing they were saying. In the background, there's uh, a monster holding their little baby monster, and the parent monster just, like, takes the baby monster's arm and has it wave at the camera, which is, like, just such a fucking <laughs> thing that people do when they're on the background on the news. I thought that was such a funny little touch. Everything about these first-hand accounts are not what happened. I mean, yeah. <laughs> some of it is, but, but like, as you said, and the child started breathing fire and lasers came out of her eyes and I almost died and, like, none of that happened. Yeah. None of it. Oh, another little bit of trivia. They end up fleeing the restaurant. They've got her... They don't have her in a bag, but they've, like, got her and are just running. And as they're fleeing, we see the entire restaurant get covered in a force field dome. Yes. And apparently... Originally, they were supposed to blow up the building like they oh. did the sock, but this came out not super long after 9-11. Yeah. And they were like, no, nah, let's not blow up buildings. Yeah. Uh, so instead, they just like quarantine it in a bubble. Okay, well, that, I will say, hits a little bit harder because Celia was left in the bubble. No, she gets taken off by the CDA. Okay. I didn't know if that was before or after the bubble. I think it was before. Okay. So we go to their apartment. They live together, right? The apartment that they're showing is their I shared guess, apartment? Yeah, I guess so. Because he wakes him up every morning to do the training. Yeah. So. so the kid is running amok. Sully offers her Mike's old toy, but Mike takes it away. And of course, because she's a toddler, she immediately starts to cry and scream. And when she's screaming, it's causing power surges. Because that's what they use for power. That's right. And Mike starts panicking and is like make her stop make her stop and while he's panicking he falls and in a very comedic way and like rolls into a trash can or something and then she starts laughing and when she laughs there's a huge power surge it actually ends up blowing everything so now they've got candles going they're trying to brainstorm ideas of what to do with this kid and she draws a little picture of her and sully and starts to get all sleepy but she calls him Kitty. Yeah, she calls him Kitty. He's like, all right, let's get you to sleep. And he sets up a newspaper in the corner like she's a dog and leaves her like a little trail of cereal to the paper. And after he sets up the paper, he turns around and she has hijacked his bed and being yeah. very cozy. Super comfy. But even though she's comfy in the bed, she's too scared to go to sleep. And he's like, what's wrong? Like, why are you scared? And she shows him another drawing and it's a drawing of Randall. Randall is her monster. She's scared to go to bed at night because she's afraid the monster will get her. So Sully agrees to sit with her till she falls asleep and, oh no, he's bonding with the poisonous human. After bonding with her, he's like, you know what? I gotta get this kid back to her house. Like, we can't just <laughs> get rid of her. So he cuts up the leather of the chair in his house and makes her a monster costume out of that leather. It's adorable. It is. There's like bobbing eyeballs and stuff and tentacles. They go to work the next day, and the CDA is, of course, swarming the place because they figured out if a human got here, they came from the place with the doors. They run to the bathroom to kind of try to get away from the CDA guys, and there's kind of a cute little hide-and-seek scene that happens with her and Sully because she got to go potty, and after she goes potty, she starts playing hide-and-seek with him. And it's just cute. More bonding. Yep. But then they hear Randall coming, and they hide in a stall. And Randall has realized that the kid came through the door that he'd used. And now he's trying to find her and figure out who the fuck let her out. 
after this all happens and Randall reveals this, the kid sneaks off again. Sully is now calling her Boo because she likes to pop up and scare people and go, Boo! Boo. Randall figures out that Mike knows up with this kid and Mike knows that Randall was cheating and trying to get more hours off the clock. So they come up with a deal that Randall will put Boo's door in his dock at noon and Mike can slip her out on the sly. And then we just won't talk about this ever happening again. So through a series of events, Sully thinks she goes through a trash compactor. (laughs) She has run away. They can't find her. And part of her costume gets thrown in the trash. He sees that part of the costume. The whole thing goes through a trash compactor. And now he's just carrying this cube of crushed up trash. Kind of like what Wally was sorting. Yeah. And just like crying in the hallway. (laughs) But as it turns out, she's actually just wandered into the factory's daycare. And now she's hanging out with all the other toddlers. And they run into Boo and the toddlers as Sully's wandering the hall feeling sad. So they all get reunited. The trio rush to the door which is sitting on the dock like planned. And Mike runs through it and starts jumping on Boo's bed and is like, come on, kid, this is where you want to be. Let's go, let's go. And then he gets scooped up and chucked in a box by Randall. So Sully and Boo run and hide before Randall sees them and follow Randall as he sneaks down to like the basement or whatever of the factories. And he... Dumps out the crate and out pops Mike Wazowski, who is Mike Wazowski. not what he was expecting. No. So Mike still thinks this is all about Randall trying to get the record. And Randall's like, oh, no, no, sir. No, no. I'm going to revolutionize the industry. And he brings out this fucking creepy ass machine called the Scream Extractor. And it's basically a giant fucking vacuum that goes over their mouth and extracts the scream from you. And he's about to use it on Mike, but Sully and Boo pull the power cord and sabotage it, and they break Mike out. Sully leads them to the simulation room to warn Waternoose, their boss, but that demonstration that he's supposed to be helping out with is going on. So he gets shoved into doing the scare demonstration. But when he does, Boo sees him scare the dummy and he's like scary and she hasn't seen him be scary before. So she runs off crying and while he's trying to convince her that he's not scary, Mike explains the situation with Randall to Waternoose. Waternoose is like, okay, okay, let's handle this. And he picks up Boo and he calls a door, but it's not her door. It's a big scary looking door. And then Randall appears, he's been there but camouflaged. And opens it, and they shove Mike and Sully through the door, quote, for the good of the company. Hooray, capitalism. So Mike and Sully are in the middle of a huge snowstorm, and they get greeted by the abominable snowman who welcomes them to the Himalayas. Hey, guys! And the snowman is voiced by, what the fuck is his name? It's in every Pixar movie. John Ratzenberger. Mike is fucking pissed and saying Sully has ruined his life because he's lost his job, he's banished from Monstropolis, they fucked. Sully apologizes, but he is determined to get to the nearest town and find a door to get to Boo. He's worried about her, he wants to save her. So Sully fashions a shed and wants Mike to come with him, but Mike refuses. So Sully takes- fashions a what? Did I say a shed? A shed? I sure did because I wrote shed in my notes. (laughs) He just sits there and builds a little place for his lawnmower and his tools, (laughs) 
And that's going to save the day, guys. I mean, good organization is is really what what matters in the end. I love organization. (laughs) No, he in fact fashions a sled. Yes, a toboggan even. Yes, to get to the nearest town. He wants Mike to come with him, but Mike refuses. Sully takes off. He hears a kid screaming when he gets to the town, and he's like, Haha, there's my door. Somebody's being scared. And he makes his way back to Monstropolis through that door. I gotta say, the big reason I remember Monsters, Inc. was because this happened in my first year of college, and the scene where Sully goes sledding down this giant hill wherever the abominable snowman... What do they say? They're in... Uh, Tibet. My college roommate had just literally broken his leg in a sledding accident. And so we went to see Monsters, Inc. And he's sitting there with his cast on. And we just go through this thing and I look over at him and I'm like, too soon? (laughs) He was not happy about that. Shout out to Hector. (laughs) What's up, Hector? So when Sully gets there, Randall is strapping Boo to the Scream Extractor. He gets there right in time and fucking just hulks out, breaks the machine, and grabs Boo and takes off. But Randall pursues him, and then he starts getting the shit beat out of him by an invisible Randall. And then Mike shows up. Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Mike's like, hey, I really wish you would just give me a second. Like, obviously I was gonna come with you. I love you. I want to help you. Blah, blah, blah. And... Sully's like, I'm being attacked as, you know, Randall's beating the shit out of him. And Mike's like, no, I'm not attacking you. Like, this... Talks across purposes. Yeah. And eventually Mike pelts him with a snowball. And when he does, it reveals Randall's face. So he actually hits Randall with the snowball. And Mike's like, oh, shit, you're actually being attacked. And Sully punches Randall and they run off. As they're fleeing, they run into a fuming Celia, who is very pissed about how her date went. I love that not only does she have a cone on, but all of her snakes and her Medusa hair all have cones on as well. Yes, they do. (laughs) When they run into her, they give her the Cliff Notes version, Randall's evil, bad things are happening, and she turns and sees Randall chasing after them, and she gets on the speaker to announce that Randall has now become the scare leader. So then he gets mobbed by everybody congratulating him. Fan club. Yeah, and she's like, go get him, baby. And cheers Mike on as he and Sully run off. Mike and Sully grab onto a random door as it's being lifted into storage and ride it to track down Boo's door in the big factory storage. Okay, by the way, this scene, by far one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie. Oh yeah, it's so fucking cool. The storyboarding for this must have been out of control. It's just a super cool sequence of them popping in and out of doors. So they'll open a random door. Hey, we're in France. They go out another door. That has them reappear three rows down on the factory. They go through another door. And it's not even just that the doors are like sitting there. So you have this interdimensional play, but then on top of that, the doors are all being flung around on this pulley system all throughout this entire roller coaster of door access and storage yeah it's really cool do you know the ongoing rumor about the ride that was gonna be made from that i heard i'd never heard anything that actually came of it nothing has come of it but it's been a rumor for a long long time that rock and roller coaster was going to turn into a monsters inc themed coaster oh god i would kill for that yeah because i think aerosmith was a part of it as part of the uh, mgm contract 
Right. So, like, now that the MGM contract's long gone, there's no real reason to keep it Aerosmith-themed, and it's kind of dated at this point. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a rumor for a long time that it would kind of become a ride focused around this scene of Monsters, Inc., which I think would be really cool if they had... It would be amazing. Yeah, because, like, all the stuff inside is all UV and super bright. They had, like, all these cool different colored doors and stuff. And it's all, like, super tight turns and loops, and yeah, that would be phenomenal. And then, like, you go around a loop, and then you're in France, and then you're back in the factory. And, like, yeah. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, I would 100% support that. Come on, Imagineers, get on it. So this whole sequence ends with kind of a Scar Mufasa moment where Sully is clinging to the edge of a door and Randall is at the top of the door and trying to stomp on his feet and Boo is behind Randall in the room. And then Homegirl fucking steps up and she fights Randall like a fucking badass. Like she jumps up and grabs onto his back and starts banging him on the head with a baseball bat. Like she's fucking baller. So they manage to chuck randall through a door in new orleans and we hear a guy saying mama another gator done got in the house then mama comes and like beats the shit out of randall they finally get to boo's door but waternoose summons the door back the cda all standing by waiting for them so they ride the door back and they're like oh shit mike walks up holding boo and he's like, all right, we'll hand her over. And then he spits out a sock on a CDA guy and the other agents tackle him because we have a 2319. 2319, 2319. And Mike runs off carrying what appears to be Boo, but it's just her costume. Boo is actually with Sully. He grabs the door and they make a run for it to the simulation room. Like he just picks up the fucking door and is like, let's go. They set up the door in the simulation room. There's a dock there. And Waternoose follows them through the door. Sully's like, she's home now. Just let her go. It, why? why? Like, leave her be. She'll be fine. And Waternoose says, oh no, he'll kidnap thousands of children to save his company. Capitalism. He shoves Sully out of the way and grabs for Boo in the bed. But then... Surprise! Up pops that robotic kid. They are still in the simulation room. They didn't actually go through her door to her actual room. And Mike is there at the control booth with all of the CDA agents, and this is all on tape. He's like, let me play this back. I got my favorite part here. And it's him saying, he'll kidnap thousands of children. The CDA congratulate them and say, hey, our number one wants to talk to you guys. And then... In walks motherfucking Roz. She has been working undercover for years because there's suspicious activity coming out of this place and the boys have solved it. Waternoose and Randall are shits. So Sully takes Boo back home and they have a really sweet goodbye. And after he leaves, they shred her door just to keep her safe and keep anybody else from coming after her. Mike's like, well... I'm glad we saved Boo, but now the factory's gonna shut down and all of our friends are gonna be out of a job. Yup. But Sully has an idea. And he remembers that when Boo laughed, the power surge was crazy. So he pitches powering the city with laughter instead of screams. And next we cut to the factory and it's booming. Business is awesome with making kids laugh instead of scream. And even Mike is an active quote-unquote scarer. He's not a scarer anymore, but he's actively going and interacting with the kids, and he's doing stand-up comedy, and it's not really working. (laughs) 
So he usually just ends up smacking himself in the face with a microphone, and then that makes the kids laugh. Yep, going to the slapstick. Yep. Sully is running the place at this point, and at one point he lifts the papers on his clipboard, and on the back is the picture that Boo drew of them and a shard from her door. I don't know if he's running the place. Basically, they don't need the scary monsters in the room anymore. They need the funny monsters. And I think him and Mike have switched places. Oh, really? He seemed very authoritative when he was walking around. I mean, he's Sully. He's going to be like the foreman of the place. I don't think he's running it per se. But again, I don't know for sure what canon is. But I think what you're supposed to take away from it is the big scary monsters are now the ones running the doors and, and running the floor per se. And the funny little monsters are the ones running out and doing the in-room stuff. Gotcha. That makes sense. I didn't really ever think about it that way. I just always assumed that Sully was kind of running things. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So Mike comes up to him and tells him he has a surprise. And he takes Sully into another room. And there's Boo's door. It has been completely reassembled. Except for the piece that Sully carries with him. And Mike shows him his hands, and he's got cuts all over his hands. Like, he reassembled the thing by himself for Sully. Super sweet. So Sully puts in the last piece, and that brings the door to life. And he opens the door and peeks his head in, and we hear a slightly older girl's voice say, Kitty! And then it fades to black as he's smiling. It's so sweet. I love the ending of this movie. It's adorable. I really like this movie a lot. Yeah, there's not much to critique in this. And the only thing for me that really stood out as kind of weird and didn't fit place was that opening sequence. But honestly, outside of that, there's not much to critique this thing on. It's amazing. Yeah. It's heartfelt. Even the orchestrations in it are great. The comedy is top notch. Yeah. I think this might be my second favorite Pixar movie. Oh, wow. I love that it doesn't, like, it's sweet, but it doesn't make me cry. Yeah, thank you again for one of the few Pixar movies that aren't trauma porn. It's just (laughs) fucking fun through the whole thing. And really funny. I laughed out loud multiple times, and I've seen this before. Yeah. It's just really clever, and I don't know if it's just because it was still early in Pixar's run, so they weren't running like a thousand projects at once right so they just had all of their time and energy put into this movie but there just seems like a certain amount of effort was put into this and it it's so tight there aren't bad jokes there isn't like weird downtime the pacing of it is perfect yeah i mean think about number one just the animation in sully's fur it looks like hair it looks like you could reach out and you know what that muppet like fur feels like that was hand animated by the way wow they did not have programs that did that for them yet (laughs) wow that's that's amazing yeah so bob on a scale of one to five laughs oh what would you give monsters inc uh i think monsters inc is a solid 4.5 it's one of those ones that if i see it on i'm gonna sit down and watch it what could it do more to get that five for me i think it hmm what could it do to get that five what it what what is it lacking to me i was literally having the exact same conversation with myself in my head i don't know and in all honesty here's my thing i know that we did a sequel prequel kind of thing after this 
I want to see where Monstropolis goes from here. It's not against this movie per se, but it left me wanting more. Did I want more of a movie? I don't know. They wrap it up quite nicely. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's not one of those ones that I'm like, okay, we're going to sit down and watch a Disney Pixar movie. What's it going to be? Monsters, Inc. is, for some reason, it's never top on my list, but I really do like it. That's where I'm at. I want to give it a five, but I just can't. And I think it just doesn't have, I don't even know that I could really quantify it, but it doesn't have that spark where I'm just like so invested in it. Right. I like all the characters and I love the relationship with Sully and Boo. And at the yeah. end, like his face when he sees her, and my heart grew three times that day. But it just is lacking that je ne sais quoi that is the, this is a five for me. I could watch this a thousand times. I think it's one that is very, very easy for me to revisit every 10 years because I forget the jokes. Uh-huh. And I forget all the gags in the background, so I kind of re-experience that every single time. Yeah. But I don't think it would have the rewatchability for me that some of the older musical kind of Disney And it's weird because for me, a Billy Crystal, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi movie, like, that is my wheelhouse. Like, yeah, I'm, it is. <laughs> this is my kind of cast right here. I love it. I love the slapstick comedy that... That Billy Crystal and Mike Wazowski bring to everything. This should be my five across the board. I don't know what it is. You're 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 right. I, it's undefinable. Yeah. But that being said, I literally don't have anything bad to say about it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, please, if you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. And with the fact that we're going to be getting some sort of Disney Plus thing, maybe... Maybe they're going to expand on that universe and, and... Yeah, I think that is supposed to be a sequel, like a true sequel. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this will rise for me. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Good movie. Yes, very good. Bob, you want to roll for next week? I believe it is your turn. Okay. Four hundred and sixty-seven. Sticking on brand with our earlier discussion, we have The Muppets Most Wanted. Nice. I never saw this one. I believe I have. Why'd you watch this without me, you fucker? Is this newer? Yeah, this is the sequel to the new one, I, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe I haven't seen it. The one that had, like, Tina Fey in it. Oh, no, I don't think I did. Nice. New for both of us. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you guys will join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure of The Muppets Most Wanted. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can shoot us an email at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate at browsehousemedia.com or drop a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Hey, hey, hey Bob. What? Yeah? What's that on your shoulder there? 2319! Oh, we no. got 2319! Ah! No, no.